0: Good morning and welcome to worship here at River of the Valley. I'm so glad that you're joining us if you're here already in person or if you're on your way in or if you're joining us online rather right now or you're watching later. I'm glad that you're however you're connecting. I'm so happy. We're going to begin. We're called into worship today by Psalm 104. I'm starting in verse 24. How many are your works, Lord? In wisdom, you made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. There is the sea, vast and spacious, teeming with creatures beyond number, living things both large and small. There the ships go to and fro, the Leviathan, which you formed to frolic there. All creatures look to you to give them their food at the proper time. And when you give it to them, they gather it up. When When you open your hand, they are satisfied with good things. When you hide your face, they are terrified. When you take away their breath, they die and return to the dust. When you send your spirit, they are created and you renew the face of the ground. May the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in his works. And so may we, with the Lord, rejoice today in the beauty of his creation, and the goodness of how he has designed all things let us join together now by opening our own lives to the Lord. And we'll do that first by prayer, and then we'll do that by singing together. We'll do that by opening God's word and studying it. We all do it together, let's pray. Father, we, we give you the glory for this creation. We magnify you, the, the weight of your glory. As we look back on the past few days or, or week or weeks, we, we can see ways in which we have found what we needed as simple as the food that we have we know that it has come from your hand And so we pause now to simply thank you to express our recognition that you are the one who is providing for us we give you thanks for the blessings large and small lord orient our hearts again now to you as we as we join in song may this be a moment where we can see these words and together as we're singing the same melodies join our hearts in worshiping you the lord of all creation amen amen let's stand and worship the lord together
1: sing with me like this here we go we stand and lift up our hands, for the joy of the lord is our strength we bow down
0: serpent has already deceived Eve and she's already taken the fruit she's given it to Adam Adam has already eaten and so God comes and confronts them and this is the response when God asks Adam what have you done the man said Genesis 3:12, the woman whom you gave to be with me she gave me fruit of the tree and I ate then the Lord God said to the woman what is this that you have done the woman said the serpent deceived me and I ate this is our reality reality we get deceived we get deceived by by that serpent still slithers up to us whispers ideas on how we should react to people the things that we should say that we should not say the things that we should think we should not think and the ways that we act that we should not act let's pray together about this Lord we recognize ourselves in that. this this original story of humanity is the one that plays out daily in our lives, how we also feel deceived by our emotions, by our desires to only be self-centered. Lord, we confess the ways in this past week, the past even few days, even just this morning, in which what's been most important has been me, not you, not others. So, Lord, hear, hear us as we consider the ways in which we have also not follow this way of love. Amen. So the gospel of course being that this this serpent would be defeated. The ultimately the tempter, ultimately the way that we are deceived would be taken away. Ultimately that's what the gospel is about that evil would be no more. And that it would be taken from us, even the temptation to want to do what's wrong. Because we couldn't get out of our own way. So Jesus came to make a way. And now we don't even have to wait for this. This is something he offers us today, which we'll talk about during our sermon time. But this way that he offers, Paul writes about, is his letter to the Colossians. Therefore, he says, Let's respond to the grace of God by singing this chorus together. Lord, as we now enter into a time around your word, Where is that your spirit would be helping us with understanding, because we depend completely upon you to begin to see what it is, this way that you have given us, both a way into a life without that temptation, a life without sin, a life without walking away from how you created us to be, and for eternity. A life which we know the glory and the majesty of life. Thank you, Lord. And now help these words that we'll say today, that we will share together now, not just enter into our heads as as things to know, but they will enter into that place where we are motivated and inspired to follow you so that we can better understand who you are, who we are, what we have been called to. It's in your name, Lord, we pray. Amen. So John 15, that's where we're at, John 15. And today we're just going to focus on the first part of verse one. The first part of verse one, and we're going to sit there and we're going to see how rich this metaphor is, the simple words when Jesus says, I am the true vine. I am the true vine. They have a new name for me. If you've seen the categories of the age groups, right, we have, who's the current young group called? Gen what? Gen, the youngest group? I don't know, that's why I'm asking. Well, then there becomes Gen Z. (laughs) Then it becomes millennial. Well, I'm technically on the back end of millennial, but I found this week they have a new name for me. Because I'm so far in the back end of millennial, I'm a geriatric millennial. Have you seen this? That's what they call me now, a geriatric millennial. Well, the geriatric millennials have a movie that came out right in that sweet spot of our formation in high school, 1999. And the movie's called The Matrix, The Matrix. So if if you've seen the movie, you'll get me. If you haven't yet, because you're too young, <laughs> well, you should watch it, it's pretty good. So the movie starts with, the amazing actor, Keanu Reeves, uh-huh, um, sitting in his office, his little cubicle, Mr. Anderson, he sits in his office cubicle, and he starts, he's, he's looking at his life, and it, it seems, you could tell by, by the way he's trying to portray his character, it seems like it's going nowhere, like he's trapped in life. He doesn't understand the point, he's searching for something more, and then he begins to be contacted through his computer, through a phone call. Eventually this contact leads him into a place where he's given a choice. Two different colored pills are offered to him. One's red and one is blue. Now blue means he can just go back on living his life as as if he hadn't learned about a second option. It's the path of least resistance and to just keeps spinning his wheels as if life were a non-stop treadmill. The red pill lets him see that actually he's not living in reality, that there's more to this world than he understands or can see, and that this character Morpheus offering him this chance will be able to show him how things truly are, the reality of the matter. And he, he chooses the red pill. He learns about a lot of things that he didn't know because he wasn't living in reality. Humanity outside of living with Christ is not living in reality. Jesus has come in order to give us the taste of what things are really like, what's really happening in this world because things are not as they seem. Remember what the word revelation means, the last writing we have in the Bible? What does revelation mean? It means revealing, revealing. And the idea, again, being that when we enter into this study of scripture, when we try and follow Jesus, when we become part of a church, we're actually trying to lean into what is real and what reality is. Because daily what we see with our eyes, what we're taught by other humans, it's less than what is truly happening. There is a a spiritual reality to this place that we live. And there is an overarching plan that has been carried out from creation to when Jesus says he comes again. God is doing something in our lives, around us, through us, in the church, in ways that we cannot even, we don't fully see. We can't see that forest because of the tree in front of us. Jesus, in this passage, John 15, is having us step back far enough where we can see the, the true reality in which we are living. And it begins with himself. The reality begins with Jesus saying, "I am the true vine." And by this, he is inviting us to accept reality as it is. He's offering us that red pill and saying, "If we can if we can start here and if you're willing to go with me, I can show you I can show you life as it truly is, existence as it truly is." He says in verse 4 and in verse 9. Remain in me as I also remain in you. And then he'll say also in verse 9, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. Do you see two things about this scriptures that they both have in common here? Remain, but Notice in both of these, Jesus is already present in our life and in our reality. Remain in me as I also remain in you or am remaining in you. As the Father has loved me, so I have, so I will love you. No, even as I am loving you, I have loved you. Jesus begins by saying, as a vine, and he calls us the branches, He's taken the first step for each one of us. The reality in which we get to we get to wake up to to sober up to is that Jesus is already in and already reaching out to each of us. We are already coming off of that vine. Thank you. Thank you for the cross, for the resurrection. He he has already come. He's already done this action before all of us were born. This is 2000 years ago this happens. And now we, we are living into what Jesus has already done. He says, I am already remaining in you. He says, I have already loved you. And now I'm asking you to remain in that, Patty, right? To remain in that, like we said uh, last week, to make your home, to make your dwelling in what I have already done. The reality is that Jesus took the first step, not me, the Lord sent the fullness of himself in human form even before we were born. There was nothing that we could have done to affect what happened 2,000 years ago. And even those who were living then, God had been talking about that moment, that it was his plan through the prophets since the beginning of time. This has been the will of our good and loving father that you and I would be here today, having already had the first step taken by someone else, not by myself. And Jesus already says, I am the vine. You are already coming out of me as branches. Now what's left to you is to abide and dwell and make your home there or not. Right in the Presbyterian church, we, we will baptize babies. And some people would say, well, why? Because you're not having a chance to actually accept that the faith is for them. This is why. Because we see in scriptures that the Lord God has already reached out to us in love. Already says that, that we are branches coming off of that vine. And then as the child grows up, just as it says here, they will, they will choose to either remain or not, to make their home or not in what God has already done. But the point being, God has done the first step for us. He is the vine. We are the branches in that order. One of my, I think probably my favorite resurrection story has to do with this guy Thomas, who we typically, you've heard me say, called doubting Thomas, but I think that's a terrible name for him. It's in the last part of the Gospel of John, chapter 20. The day of the resurrection, the now 11 disciples, well, Thomas is not there, 10 disciples, are gathered in the upper room. And even though the doors are locked, who shows up? Jesus. It says he all of a sudden came in the midst of them. And he shows himself to them It's an amazing experience. I don't think any of us could imagine. Well, someone's not there and it's, yeah, Thomas is not there. So the disciples go and they say, Thomas, we were in the upper room, Jesus showed up. Crazy, what's Thomas say? Ah, that's way too much for me to, to believe. Resurrection, that's way too much for me to believe. And he says famously, unless I put my fingers in the holes in his side and in his hands, I can't believe. I can't believe. Interestingly, though, Thomas stays in the church with his unbelief. The next Sunday, a week later, they're having their worship service again. Thomas is there. He has remained in the community of faith. And why? Throughout the course of Jesus' life, Thomas has been seeing What Jesus would do. He hears what Jesus has said. He's seen the response in the community of faith and what the church looks like when they're following the vision of Jesus. And it has been compelling for Thomas. It's been compelling for all the disciples. Glory, that word means gravity. They've been able to see the glory of God, the gravity, the gravitas of God, the weightiness of God taking form on Earth, and Thomas, like the other disciples, were compelled by this. Earlier in the Gospel in John 6, after Jesus, again, famously feeds the 5,000 people, that they come back the next day, and they're, they're looking for Jesus. And he's like, you know what, you all are here because you want to see miracles, you want to be fed. That's not what this is about. He says, if you want to live in reality, here's the red pill, if you want to live in reality, you have to eat my flesh gross <laughs> that's what everybody said <laughs> this teaching is way too hard for us they said and it in the bible it says many of those who were following him stopped that day because of that one sermon because he said you have to eat my flesh now we we understand now that he was talking about this spiritual reality in which we participate in the life and death and resurrection of christ which we embody in the table and in, in the communion that we take monthly together but Many of those followers didn't understand. They weren't willing to go along with Jesus. Jesus, watching these many people walk away, thousands had been there. He destroys his megachurch in one day, and he walks to his core team, his session, his leaders, and he asks them, are you two going to walk away? Are you two going to walk away? And Peter's response is, we've come to know that you have the words of eternal life. Where else can we go? Where else can we go? Thomas, a week after the resurrection, even though he can't bring himself to belief, he's been around Jesus and the church enough to know, there's nowhere else I can go. If I'm gonna find it, it's gonna be there. And so he's there in that upper room And Jesus comes again. And since he had already been there for the 10, we know he is only coming that day for Thomas. Jesus comes back for one person. And he lets Thomas put his fingers in his side and in his hand. And then again, from this one we call Doubting Thomas comes the most powerful confession of faith that we have recorded in holy scripture. He looks at Jesus and in response he says, my Lord and my God. Jesus does not correct him. Yes, that's right, Jesus is saying. And then he says, and I think I have it here. No, I don't. And he looks and points at each one of us through time he says, Thomas, you believe because you have seen. And he points at every one of you, each one of us. Throughout time, he's looking at you, and he says, blessed is anyone who does not see but believes. He's looking right at you as he says those words. He's imagining those people who will be told by these disciples through the generations, about him and about this moment. And Jesus knows he's not gonna be there all the time showing up in that upper room like he does. And so he says, yes, Thomas, you have believed because you've seen, but now I want to think about all those people, all those people in River of the Valley in 2021. Blessed will they be if even though they can't see, they believe. Jesus says, I am the vine. Isaiah 27, many places throughout the the Hebrew scriptures, we find God talking about a vine, but in this way Sing about a fruitful vineyard. I, the Lord, watch over it. I water it continually. I guard it day and night so that no one may harm it. In days to come, Jacob will take root, Israel will bud and blossom, and fill all the world with fruit. So, who's the vineyard here? Who's the vine? Israel. Israel is the one who's taking root. Israel is the root grounded in God. Okay? The problem is, even though Israel is supposed to be this root and this vine that the rest of the world can learn from and find fruit, even though that's the case, and this is God's plan, rather, he talks about this in Jeremiah 2, I had planted you like a choice vine of sound and reliable stock. How then did you turn against me into a corrupt, wild vine? vine. That's the gospel, the beginning of it. The first part we have to talk about is how the Lord's plan was that we, that the church, that his people throughout time, even in in the time of Israel, would be the vine that he had chosen to go deep rooted into his word, into the law, into the scriptures, so that we would produce real fruit for the rest of the world. People would know what it means to come to the Lord God, to depend on God, to know what life's purpose is for as we're in Going up through school, and as we head off to college, and as we find our jobs and become family people, and then all the rest of life. But what happened? We walked away from that. Adam and Eve eat the fruit, we all do it continually. And then what happens as we walk away from the Lord is we become like this corrupt, wild vine. So interesting now that while Jesus comes, he says that he is the vine. What's he doing here? What is Jesus doing here? Why is he calling himself the vine? Jesus is 100% God and 100% human, okay? This is key, this is like doctrine 101 for people, for for Christian church. Jesus is 100% God and 100% human. Thomas says, my God, Jesus doesn't correct him. That's who he understands himself to be. Also 100% human, this guy dies on the cross. He's both. So what does it mean that he calls himself the vine and replaces Israel? If we as a people have disconnected ourselves from God, what does Jesus become in the vine? The perfect reconnection between humanity and God. As Jesus' divine characteristic is rooted in the divine, and then his human is rooted in us, do you see this perfect organic connection that he has remade for us? That's what we call ourselves an epicenter of God's reconciliation, connecting people back to God, connecting people back to God, because that's what Jesus is. Is claiming to be when he says, I am the vine. He is retaking that image of the vine. He's saying, okay, it is Israel. I am the new Israel. I'm the new representation of us together. But also, I'm also the fullness of God. And so I can also connect us back to God. He is the perfect God in human form. The vine, the true vine. That's actually a word that is, the, the translation says, I. I am the vine, truly, if you read it in the Greek. I, comma, I am the vine, comma, truly, period. I know we have been talking about a vine since I started working with you in the times of Israel, but now I am the true vine. And I'm here so that we can have connection once again back to God. out of order, that's why. (laughs) That's why. (laughs) I'm preaching out of order. You You didn't notice, did you? If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you believe in your heart God raised him from the dead and you, and you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord. Isn't this just what we have seen Thomas do? He confessed his mouth to Jesus. Okay, Jesus, I can no longer deny the reality. I can no longer deny the reality. I, I have been with you for for this this month's years. I've seen what it looks like when you're Community takes on your vision. I've seen what that looks like to find that horizontal reconciliation. I've seen the ways that you are connecting us back to God. I couldn't believe in your resurrection, and now you're standing in front of me. Thomas, in that moment, could no longer deny the reality in which he lived. When he spoke these words, my Lord and my God, he was simply accepting things as they are. We call it a conversion. But really in that moment, it's almost as if he had already converted over time and finally he was willing to admit it. Okay, I'm finally willing to land. I'm finally I'm willing to say that Jesus, you are my God and you are my Lord. But the other piece was critical. It says also that declaring with your mouth and believing in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Isn't that the piece that was for Thomas really difficult? And I'd say the piece that's hard for all of us is truly believing in our heart that Jesus came back to life. That's just a hard thing for any of us to believe. That's just really hard. It goes against everything that we see as natural in this world. We see things over and over again, pets, insects, ants, (laughs) family members, loved ones, we see them go down to the grave and stay there. In fact, we, we have a pattern in life in which that's, we need to go through a grief cycle to accept it. So for someone to come back to life is something that's not part of our natural logic or emotional health. It's not even a part of our spiritual understanding as we would design it. But Jesus is asking each one of us, even though though we don't see, to believe. That's the question before each one of us today. Having spent time with the Lord and in his community, how close are you to accepting reality? And I just want to finish with this. There is an example of someone in scripture who is asked to believe. And the person says, I do believe, but help me with my unbelief. I do believe, help me with my unbelief. And Jesus honors that request and acts upon it. For each one of us today, I think the Lord would be honored and glorified if you were to say, Jesus, you are my Lord and my God, and I believe in my heart that you were raised from the dead, but help me to believe that. (laughs) I want to believe that. Help me to believe that. That's what the Lord wants from us, is to wrestle honestly with reality. So we're going to pray now, and I'm going to invite everybody. If you are already someone that has said those words and believed in your heart, then we'll just it's gonna be a moment for us to reattach ourselves to that vine or make sure we're still attached to make our home there. And then also have a space for anyone that is still wrestling with landing on that belief to do that or to ask the Lord to continue to help them with their unbelief. Would you pray with me? Lord God, we hear you calling yourself this vine. And Jesus, we see what you did with Thomas. We hear your ask in scripture to confess with our mouths that you are our God, our Lord, and that to believe in our hearts. You were raised from the dead. Father, we want to stand as a community now of faith and at times that faith is something hard for us to come by and you know this, you know this. That's why you said those words, blessed are those who don't see but can believe. You know the challenge, you know your ask. But Lord, today we are willing to confess with our mouths that you are my Lord and my God. And Lord, we are willing to believe that you, even though we're crucified, stood again and showed yourself to these followers and many others as recorded in scripture. And Lord, help us with our unbelief. Lord, we believe and help us with our unbelief. (laughs) Lord, we're willing to say you are our Lord and God, but help us to open our mouths. And Father, here in this church, we're so grateful that, that we can come together and we can open your scriptures. But also, Lord, we, we want to be moving down this path of faith in you. We don't want to stay the same. We don't want to sit there on that treadmill in life. We want to accept reality as it is and to explore this life that you have given to us. So that we confess with our mouths that you are my God. You are my Lord. We believe in our hearts that you stood again, that you defeated death, that we now participate in that, that you bring us along so that now, even as we die here, you offer us eternal life. And Father, help us in our unbelief, because we want to, because we want to land like Thomas thank you Lord for your spirit that is working in us as you say already connecting to us already loved us thank you that you have taken that first step now Lord continue to work in us today in these next few days inspiring conversations with with those that are friends and loved ones help us probe your reality and not be content with just sitting in this world without advancing to and through you it's in your name god father son and holy spirit we pray amen amen